Is it June yet? A storied CFL franchise. Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and passionate following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. This is the Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. Hey, good afternoon all. We are another week closer to the football season. Thanks for joining us again on the Eskimo Show this Sunday afternoon. Uh, The offseason rolls on and business rolls on for the Eskimos. This weekend, they had a couple of tryout camps in Texas. Next weekend, they are in Florida for a couple of more tryout camps, and that will lead into their annual mini camp at Dodgertown at Vero Beach just over a week from now. Coming up on the show today, a conversation about the importance of that mini camp and several other interesting topics as well with the Eskimos head coach, Jason Moss. We heard part one of the interview last week. Part two comes at us today. After we hear from the coach, we'll spend the second half hour of the show today talking football with both Dave Campbell and Blake Dermott. But first, let's turn it over to the coach, Jason Moss. We start with his thoughts on Eskimos starting quarterback, Mike Riley, a player that Moss is looking forward to coaching this year. I have the utmost respect for him, you know, from afar watching him play. Uh, what you don't get and understand is how smart he is, football IQ, off the field as well. I mean, he's an engineer, I think, by trait, but so that tells you what kind of mind he has. But uh, he's, a, he's a football guy. He knows football extremely well. He's easy to talk to. He's outgoing personality, but he's also, you know, he's about business and winning and, and um, being competitive. So I, we've had some great discussions, he and I and Jordan Maximic, our quarterback coach, we've had long discussions with them all offseason. You're going to have a relationship that's very uh, open, uh, honest, accountable. <laughs> I mean, we're going to expect the utmost out of him. He's going to have to be given a lot of responsibilities, but I wouldn't be giving him that if I didn't think he was capable of it, and uh, I think he's more than more than capable of it. You've clearly watched a lot of tape of him uh, since you took the job, and obviously before that as well, I'm sure. But uh, what do you know now about Mike Riley that you, you didn't know, say, three, four months ago? Uh, like I said, I think more of his, his football acumen um, is what I would say blows you away when you talk to him. His ability to digest information, um, to be able to pick out mistakes when you're talking to him through scripts or through pictures, as soon as he sees something, he has a good idea of why you did it and a great understanding of the hows and the whys to what you're trying to accomplish. You don't get to appreciate that watching now. I do get to watch film and see the decisions he makes, but you don't understand what he's been told or how he's been coached to a degree. But when you start describing how you want things operated, he picks things up as quickly as I've ever been around someone. Can you make him a better quarterback, do you think? I, think, I believe each year you're in a system, you're going to become better. And so I think this is the first year he'll be in our system, but it's very similar to what he's been in for the last couple of years. So, yes, I believe he's going to he's going to continue to improve. You know, a lot of that, you know, we got to put guys around him, uh, protect him, and things like that. But I feel like he's going to get coached. He's going to be held accountable. He's won year. He's won a great cup now. He understands what it, that takes. You know, he's won 10 games in a row. He understands what all that entails. So I just believe that, you know, the confidence grows, the understanding, the familiarity with the system grows. You're just going to get better and better. He could, he still has much room for improvement, so I, that's why I think he will get better. 
Uh, is he at the point in his career now where you, you start to look at, at consistency possibly with him? I mean, he's had a pretty meteoric rise over the last three years from a guy who was a backup quarterback in B.C. to a Grey Cup champion uh, three years later. Uh, now is it all about consistency and being that good, solid quarterback player game in, game out, year in, year out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to to be the, to get the most out of Mike, he's got to play 18 games. That's the bottom line. So we've got to figure out a way to protect him. He's got to figure out a way to protect himself, be smart with the ball, distribute it accordingly. But that's when you're going to see the huge growth in Mike is when he plays one year, 18 games. The second year now it's 36 games in a row. You know, those are the goals I have for him. I want to see him. The longer you're in there, the more reps you get, you're going to be better. It's hard to be a roller coaster, play six games, get hurt, play a couple games, get hurt. I want to see consistency with his play, and I think that's going to happen by him staying healthy. Some things you can't control. Um, so, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, our ability to try to come up with schemes that gets the ball out of his hands, makes him understand what we're trying to accomplish, and then ultimately having the right guys in the right positions to make all that happen is going to be important to his growth. Talking with Jason Moss, Eskimos head coach on the Eskimo Show this afternoon. Uh, Jason, you had all sorts of great success last year with the Ottawa Red Blacks. You had a quarterback who led the league in many categories. Uh, you had 4,000-yard receivers. Uh, you put up a lot of points, and you moved the football. How difficult is it to take what you did in Ottawa and bring it to Edmonton and make it successful here? Well, the proof will be in the pudding once we get started. But my the things I believe in is distributing the ball. I believe when you get everyone... Um, on the field as weapons, the defense is it's hard to defend one person or two people when you distribute the ball. So that's first and foremost always in my mind of trying to get the ball spread around. You know, I want to be sound with our quarterback protecting him and get him to make good decisions. I think we can do that here. I think we have a lot of the same similar types of players as we had in Ottawa. Um, so I look at it as why not, you know, but you know, we also have an up-tempo offense that we run, so that's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for our guys, so you might see guys thinking early in the season, but we're going to install it from day one with the hopes that guys can pick it up, and the faster they all pick it up and the more they buy in and the more you know, positive that outlook they have on everything that we're trying to do is going to allow us to accomplish even bigger and better things. But at the end of the day, the, the first thing you look at trying to do in any offense, protect your quarterback, protect the ball, and then for me, the third thing is distributing it. So, you know, I feel like if we can do that, and I'm talking about run game and all that when I talk about distributing it. So, you know, that's our, our focus is going to be how do we get the ball in all of our guys' hands. Uh, we know you have two real potent receivers in Adarius Bowman and, and Darrell Walker coming back for another year. Tell me your philosophy on the running back position and your thoughts going into the situation with the Eskimos. You know, uh, John White didn't play last year, but he's re-signed and he's back this year for camp. Shakir Bell in and out of the lineup, good at times, but injured a lot last year. Akeem Shaver kind of took over at the end of the year last year and into the playoffs in the Grey Cup game. What's your thought process going forward about your running backs? Well, I mean, one of them's got to take over the job in training camp. That's first and foremost. I mean, um, you know, with, with John coming back, he's a proven commodity when he's healthy. I think he's as dangerous as there is in the league. But Akeem did a great job, and so did Shakir when they were in there. So whoever we end up bringing to camp, it's going to be <laughs> survival of the fittest. Whoever gives us the best opportunity to win is going to be that guy. But all of them have the same attributes you want. They all can protect. 
They all can catch the ball, and they all wouldn't be here if they couldn't run. So the running is the last thing I look at. It's, it's protecting and being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. If they can do those two things, I assume they can run the ball. Uh, some are better than others. Some don't need all the blocks to be perfect. You know, I think that's the three backs we have. You know, you got, um, you know, King Foster's a home run. And anytime there's a, there's a seam, he's going to be able to hit it. Shakir can make people miss on a phone booth. So can John. So, you know, they'll all have their little intangibles and their little assets to bring. But at the end of the day, if they cannot protect the, our quarterback and they cannot catch the ball out of the backfield, it's going to be hard to be the guy week in and week out. So that consistency must be shown throughout camp. And once it is, we'll go with the best option for the Edmonton Eskimos. Do you anticipate that being one of your real good battles at training camp? Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. When you bring John in, who hasn't played for a year, knowing what he's capable of when he is healthy, he's got to prove to us he can make it through training camp healthy. And if he is, he's got a very great shot at, at, at being the guy. But at the same time, we know what we got in the other guys. They're going to push him extremely hard. And at the end of the day, we've got to look out what's best for our whole organization. And, you know, that'll, that'll come to fruition, you know, the course during the course of 20 days of, uh, of camp and two preseason games. I want to ask you about a couple of guys, Jason, that uh, the Eskimos signed out of uh, the Toronto organization, guys that, that you coached at times in your coaching career. First off, uh, receiver uh, Nate Ajay, uh, what influence did you have in the Eskimos signing him? And tell me a little bit about him. Well, Nate's a tough, a tough little receiver. I mean, he's, he's not huge in stature. He's a little thick guy. But, you know, when I was there in Toronto, um, I thought he caught the ball well. I thought he could do things after the catch. Um, he's a big enough body. He can block. He can do all the protection things we need. He's a pretty sure-handed guy. He just hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities with the, with the type of talent they've had in Toronto over the years. Um, so I felt like bringing him in to compete for a job here would be good. He knows our system. That's one of the first and foremost things. We don't run the easiest system to run for receivers. So it's always nice when you can get a guy who you think – could make an impact on your team but you already know the system and you've already coached him so that character i already know what you're getting with him so i'm, I'm very pleased that we were able to sign um Nate. and then xander robinson's the other guy um we don't have that type of body on our team right now as far as a fullback position xander's a big guy he's he can move extremely well he did have his acl um injury last year but that was the first preseason game so he'll be 12 months removed from that so i feel like if he can get back to being able to move how he can, he'll be a huge asset for our football team, um, you know, with his ability to catch the ball and the, the body presence that he has. He can be a tight end, he can block, but yet he can get on top of guys pretty quickly, uh, runs good routes. So I think he's just a different type of dynamic that we, we haven't had uh, when I look at our roster right now. Yeah, that, that body type, that's so intriguing, is it not, for that position to have a guy that big being able to play there? Yeah, and it's not – I mean, when you you combine size with being able to move efficiently, you know, Xander's a, you know, a low 4-6 guy, and he, so he can move for a big guy. So, you know, and he can still catch. And he's in the infancies of becoming a tight end. I mean, he did a little bit in college – or a little bit in high school, didn't do it in college, and then was a uh, defensive end before we converted him in Toronto. So he's still learning everything. Um, so I just think the sky can be the limit for him if he's healthy and can, and can contribute right away. And when I talked to him after he signed with the Eskimos, he said you played a big role in his conversion from defensive line uh, to the fullback spot. Yeah, I mean, when we would be, we'd see him in practice, we knew he wasn't playing a whole lot on defense, but we loved his body. We knew how well he could run. 
you know, after practice, we worked with him catching the ball a few days, and he was a natural catcher, so that wasn't going to take take much time to teach him how to do that. It was just more getting him familiar, you know, doing the tight end stuff. So we worked with him every day in Toronto after practice for that first year, and then, you know, Trevor Harris was huge after practice working with him at the time, and I was the quarterback's coach. So, you know, we tried to get him to kind of uh, make that transition and make him feel good about that transition. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm pleased with the progress he's made. Like I said, I just want to make sure he's going to be good coming to camp off his knee injury. Eskimos coach Jason Moss with us on the Eskimo Show this afternoon. Jason, maybe this is a question more for GM Ed Hervey, but uh, your roster now, do you feel it's, it's pretty much set where we see many additions to roster uh, before training camp? Oh, yeah. I mean, our roster is ever-evolving. and we're trying to get our, our limit to go to minicamp with. And then we'll pare down that to go to training camp. But, uh, you know, you're still looking for the best guys out there um, to compete with the guys that we already have here. So that's an ongoing process. I know Ed's going this weekend uh, to look for some more guys. So, you know, it's just that, that door never closes. There's always guys that come available that you don't expect. And, uh, you know, you don't ever want to be satisfied in the off season. You want to be able to push guys, come mini camp, come training camp. You know, competition is where you win. Uh, more than anything. Uh, you got your mini camp coming up in April, and from what I understand, it's going to be mostly a rookie camp uh, for the Eskimos, as they usually do, uh, but obviously the quarterbacks will be there. How important is that uh, few days that you're going to spend with those guys in Florida? How important is it for you with the quarterbacks, and how important is it for you and the coaching staff? It's huge for the coaching staff. It's our first time to kind of get our feet wet with the players that we have coming in, kind of get our system started. You know, it's the start of the new year. I mean, that's pretty much when it starts is right there. So, you know, to have our quarterbacks there and some of the other veterans that we've invited, you know, it's going to be good for the first time that here and how we coach it, the terminology we're using, uh, in particular for the quarterbacks, because you want them to be able to lead everything. Um, so it's invaluable if you ask me. Uh, and then you kind of get to see what you've saw, what our scouts have seen in, in all their camps that have gone around the country that scout the best talent. You bring them all together, and then you can kind of get a formal opinion on all of them, see how fast they learn things, how good they are football-wise. We don't need to test them anymore or time them anymore. We don't care about that point at, 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 and during minicab. We care about guys that can play football. Uh, Jason, is there enough time left to, to get done what you need to get done? What kind of mindset are you in that way? Are, are you anxious for things for camp to get here, or do you say we got to use this time correctly to get what we need done before camp starts? No, I mean, I, I can always use the time. I think all of our coaches can, too. I mean, we just get – you get anxious each day that it gets closer. But no question, I mean, there's more film to watch. There's more schemes to think of. We're getting finishing up our playbook this week. You know, so all that will be done. And then it's just more of game planning for the three teams that are early in our season that we know may or may not change a whole lot. So, you know, you're just kind of get formalizing game plans, formalizing kind of looking at – your cut-ups and seeing how teams faced you and watching some NFL film, watching some college film to get new ideas and, you know, watching, you know, football, you know. So it's, it's just kind of time to be a junkie and uh, when there's no pressure on you to must perform. Coaches, so it is nice. Coaches never stop working, do they? Nope. Nope. And if you, you better like doing that if you want to become a coach. So I think all of us do love it and it's a part of who we are, part of our DNA, so – all right, Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, uh, thanks for your time very much. Appreciate it, and uh, best of luck as you continue to prepare for the season. No problem, Orly. Thanks for having me. That's Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. He talked in that interview about the running back position. John White returns this year after a year off due to injury. 
We'll hear from White when we return on The Eskimo Show on 630 Chet. This is The Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. Before the break, we heard Eskimos head coach Jason Moss talk to us about the Eskimos running back position. When John White was injured in training camp last year, Shakir Bell and Chad Simpson got the ball. In the playoffs, it was Akeem Shaver. Nick Grigsby was also on the roster last year, and import Joe McKnight has been added this offseason. They'll all be in the mix with White for that starter's job in 2016. White's coming back after a year off from injury, and all eyes will be on him, especially at the start of camp. Has he recovered fully from his Achilles tear? Will he be as good as he was, and can he stay healthy for 2016? When he re-signed with the Eskimos in February, I talked with him about coming back to Edmonton. You know where I fit in, you know, in the program. And, uh, you know, if I was still wanted and still cared about, and I mean, Ed, you know, showed me a lot of love by bringing me back. And I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful and I really appreciate it. Yeah, tell me about that, how, how uh, comforting it is to know that the Eskimos still have the confidence in you, even though you've missed the last year with injury. Man, it feels great. I mean, it, I mean, it's just it just shows you how loyal they are and how much they believe in my capabilities. And and I'm just I'm just ready to go. You know, I'm not. I'm just. I really don't want to. You know, talk too much about it. You know, I just I really just want to get back on the field because that's what I've been missing. It's been a long time for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a, a long time. I've barely just you know been getting back to the field and you know having. You know, not being sore or anything like that. So it's been good. Eskimos running back John White. With minicamp coming up in a week, we'll have a mini roundtable up next. Dave Campbell and Blake Dermott join me for the second half hour of the Eskimo Show right here on 630 Chet. You're listening to the Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. All right, time to continue the football conversation this afternoon on the Eskimo Show. Uh, a couple of guests in studio now uh, with me, and uh, that is uh, Dave Campbell. And Blake Dermott. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hello. Good. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, good to see you, too. Congratulations to you, because we only see half of you now. Uh, <laughs> Blake's a mere shadow of himself since last time we had him on the radio, which is uh, which is great for him. Uh, guys, first off, uh, we just heard from Jason Moss uh, uh, before the break, before the news break. Uh, your thoughts on, on some of the stuff he had to say, Blake? Anything really jump out at you from, from uh, the conversation I had with Jason Moss? No, I, uh, you know, in listening to that conversation, I, I, I didn't see anything that was uh, uh, earth-shattering. Uh, or groundbreaking. I, I think it was, uh, you know, the, the the standard talk of a guy trying to get the, the last uh, bit of his organize, uh, organization ready for this upcoming season. And, uh, I mean, there's going to be some challenges. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I really liked was, uh, you know, in the past there's always been this sort of a defensive, the past couple of years anyways, this defensive emphasis about around the Eskimos. But this year there there was an awful lot of uh, offensive emphasis uh, in Jason Moss's discussion. So I, I think that was an interesting, uh, you know, uh, a little bit more interesting than, than what it's been in the last couple of years. Well, a follow-up for you. Uh, in your career, have you noticed, is there a difference in football teams when they're coached by a defensive guy as a head coach compared to an offensive guy as a head coach? because that's a transition the Eskimos are having this year, and it's been a while since an offensive guy was their head coach. Well, I want to say that uh, probably if you if you go back, and, and I'm just pulling this out of my butt, but I'm, I'm guessing that if you go back in the last 20 or 30 years, the teams that have had the most success 
uh, were probably uh, run by uh, guys that were uh, uh, defensive-minded uh, head coaches. So you look at a guy like Don Matthews, uh, you know, the Wally Buono, uh, those guys. Uh, you look at the success that they've had. Uh, those uh, there's probably more of the defensive-minded teams uh, or defensive-minded head coaches of, uh, with more Grey Cups than than the other. Dave, what do you think? You know, I think proof will be in the pudding starting in uh, in in May, May 29th, day one of training camp, and you know, there's there's going to be a lot of curiosity about how Jason Moss handles himself on the field, uh, how he runs his practices, how he runs his meetings, which you know we don't see. Obviously, uh, we're not a part of that. But you know, there's always I think a bit of a, a natural reservation when you have a rookie head coach, and I think in this situation, you know, Jason Moss has been has been talked about as a very good coach in the CFL, and this has been a kind of a rapid ascent and. Let's face it, if the circumstances were different, then we were not talking about this. But, you know, uh, how will Jason Moss handle himself, I think, is the is the, the biggest question mark of, and I think that's the biggest question for any rookie head coach. And, you know, I, I like what he says, but, you know, it's easy to say things right now because it's only April and we haven't seen any uh, practices, we haven't seen any game action yet. And the thing that concerns me, he is a rookie head coach, yes, but he's the offensive coordinator along with the head coach. And... Not everyone can do that. Chris Jones did a, uh, a great job being a head coach and a, and a defensive coordinator because that's his makeup. Is that the makeup of Jason Moss? I think the key in that coaching staff is Mike Benavides, who's the who's the the associate head coach. He's also the defensive coordinator, someone that has experience uh, being a head coach, uh, has been a defensive coordinator before, has been a special teams coordinator before, has been a director of Canadian scouting, and given an awful lot of experience and a lot, a lot of information for Jason Moss. How tough is the is the carryover going to be? I touched it on it with him, Blake. He had a great offense last year in in Ottawa. Uh, is it just because he's coming over here that that offense continues and it and it continues so well here? Um, how tough is it to to take that success he had in Ottawa and bring it to Edmonton? Well, I think um, he what Jason Moss has, has proved over his uh, relatively short coaching career is that he has a good uh, the ability to to relate really well with the with the quarterbacks and the receivers and the young guys and and he was he's able to get that message across. So he's he's said a number of times that the offense that they're going to run is very similar to the type of offense that they ran in in Ottawa. So there's not going to be a lot of changes. I'm sure some terminology. But I think that he's he's going to have the ability to be able to communicate with the quarterback uh, really really well, and so I would expect with with the you know with the amount of people coming back on the offensive side because most of the hit was taken on the defensive side. Uh, this this is an offense that is going to be coming back relatively intact, and and you know the the really the only one that uh, I think of significance that you lose is Kenny Stafford. Uh, and Shamad Chambers, well, he played so little last year, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so the trade-off between him and Getzlaff, I think the Edmonton probably wins that deal, even though Getzlaff is 32 or 33 yeah. years old. So, so I think their offense is going to be pretty strong. And but now you've got somebody with that ability to be able to uh, to get his message across, and and you got a real smart guy, as uh, Jason Moss said. You know, Riley's like an engineer. He's, he, this guy's a student of the game, and and so you. Uh, uh, I think the offense could be better than it was last year. And I know you touched on a really good point about Benavides. You know, I was talking about the, the offensive coaches in the league uh, maybe not having as much success as the defensive coaches, but th- that that sort of all gets thrown out the window when you've got a guy with the experience that Benavides has mm-hmm. to bring to this team. I mean, I think that, that that's really going to help Jason Moss, and that's really going to help this uh, the Eskimos uh, going into the season. And, you know, Mike Benavides' defense the last four seasons as as a member of the BC Lions the worst that that defense finished 
in the CFL was fourth. Yeah. So is it going to be as good as a Chris Jones run defense? Probably not. Is it going to be pretty good? It has the potential to be. There's no question. Uh, I think the front four is intact. Uh, that's still a very talented front four. There's a lot to work with. Uh, they lose uh, Dexter McCoy. They lose Ofa Foster in the in the linebacking core. J.C. Sherritt resigns. Deion Lacey's going to have a bigger role this year, and I think he can play. Who's going to be the Sam linebacker? That's the key. Though I think the the biggest concern is that secondary, mm-hmm. uh, especially to the to the boundary to the weak side with Pat Watkins and Marcel Young. If that's the way they're going to set it up. Uh, uh, this season, because uh, they struggled last year at times, and you know there's question marks about Koshi Mwamba at safety. You know, uh, John Ojo is coming back, and John Ojo I think is a very good player. So, and then who who replaces Aaron Grimes at uh, at strong half? So, the concerns to me is in that secondary, and there's going to be I think some emphasis on that front four, front seven to, to do their job and and to help protect that secondary. Well, the best way to protect that secondary is secondary is to have a really strong uh, front seven to get pressure, right? And and yeah. uh, and that's what they'll they'll have to rely on those guys and and to make sure that they can get to the quarterback, at least get him off his game, at least rush the passes and 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 that can make some of those uh, defensive backs at secondary look uh, all-star-ish if they can do that. Mm-hmm. And regardless of how it goes this year, the defense Probably safe to say it's not going to be as good as last year's, right? Last year was that was a dynamite defense. It did so much. Uh, the bar is set pretty high last year. I'm really interested in seeing uh, the impact that Deion Lacey is going to have. I mean, this is a guy who has excelled in in a role that he accepted and uh, and did very well as uh, as special teams predominantly. Mm-hmm. But when he got in. I mean, he was getting sacks. He was making plays. This is a guy that is ready for prime time. And I think that as good as Dexter McCoyle was in his rookie season and, and, and even in his season last year, I don't think there's as big a gap to fill between Dion Lacey and Dexter McCoyle going into the season. I think that could have been pretty equal. Do you see them as kind of uh, playing that position on the outside linebacker spot? Uh, uh, Dion Lacey maybe more of a... If you call them tweeners, right, as Hugh Campbell used to do, right, he's more of a, a defensive lineman kind of guy, bigger, stronger, maybe a more pressure kind of guy, whereas McCoyle was, because he played safety in college, maybe more of a of a cover guy, and that may be the biggest difference we'll see in them. Well, I, just uh, McCoyle's range, too. I mean, yeah. you can say he's a tweener, but he was uh, six foot four, two 225 pounds. You know, he was one of the biggest <clears> linebackers <throat> that they had at, at being a tweener. He, he was exceptional. Um, I think Dion Lacey is a better cover guy than a lot of people think, but I think he does he does things very well with with respect to rushing the quarterback, mm-hmm. and and I think he's going to be he's going to be a, a, somebody that that defense is going to lean on this year as well. And let's give credit to Chris Jones because he handled him correctly the last two years. I mean, he was just pretty much a special teams guy year one and a very good one, uh, and then kind of evolved last year and special teams only at the start of the year but at the season came to an end all of a sudden you're seeing him every third fourth play or or for a series or whatever he got a lot more time on the field as the season ended Mm, absolutely and uh, you know he he was brought along correctly I think and don't give him too much too fast and you know Deion Lacey is a very good player but Deion Lacey is someone who you know is he's He's a wild man. Let's face it. He's a, he's a crazy wild man who loves to make plays. But you know he was brought along slowly, and last year he was given more responsibility, and he cashed in on it. I think, and and he earns he earned more playing time, and I think he is in a position to. I don't want to hand him a starting spot here on this show, but he's in a position to earn a starting spot. You know, I look also at that D line. Willie Jefferson's loss. You know, he's he provided excellent depth on that D line. And unfortunately, Marcus Howard gets hurt every year. Mm-hmm. Who is the depth 
in that depth, depth position if an injury happens to either Marcus Howard or, or Odell Willis. And that search, I think, starts next weekend when the Eskimos have their mini camp and, and start to look at guys. And there's going to be, I mean, Dexter McCoyle didn't come in with a lot of fanfare. No. Willie Jefferson didn't come in with a lot of fanfare. J.C. Sherritt didn't come in with a lot of fanfare. John Ojo, same thing. They're going to bring somebody in who's going to surprise everyone and make the team and, and, and make an impact somewhere. Well, I always say this to, to Eskimo fans, and I, I say, look, don't fear an unknown, okay? Yeah. Don't, don't do that. There's many fans that attach themselves to familiar names, but there's a lot of guys that come up here, as you know, Blake, that we don't, we've never heard of, but we fall in love with pretty quick because of their ability. Absolutely. And, and who's that guy? Who's that guy? There's going to be several of those guys this year. Well, every year it seems there's a guy who makes the team out of nowhere who no one expected, except who was maybe Walker the manager a year ago. Exactly, <laughs> and and every year there's also a guy who gets cut. That's who right. Surprises you too, a veteran yep. player. Uh, all right, well uh, we'll talk about the, the coaching situation and how it's going to affect uh, both the Eskimos and the Saskatchewan Roughriders with the move of the Eskimos coaching staff to uh, Regina this year. Uh, that and more. Uh, Morley Scott, along with uh, Dave Campbell and Blake Dermott, you're listening to the Eskimo Show on six thirty. Chet. This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio six thirty. Chet. Morley Scott along with Blake Dermott and uh, Dave Campbell talking a little football here on the Eskimo Show this afternoon. we got about uh, about 15 minutes left or so before we uh, leave you for the day. Uh, guys, I want to address the coaching situation. Uh, how much of an impact is Chris Jones going to have leaving the Eskimos and going to Saskatchewan? Uh, can you put a tangible amount of wins on Chris Jones and what he's going to cost the Eskimos, if anything, and what he's going to mean to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? I would think there'd be more of a plus for Saskatchewan than a minus for Edmonton. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that, and I thought about that a lot. When he came to Edmonton, there were some player changes, but not the amount of change that that he has made with Saskatchewan. I mean, it started very early. I mean, he cut 20 players, right? And and he signed a lot of free agents and a lot of lot of names, and there wasn't that much roster turnover by comparison. You know, and, and yet he was still a new head coach, and he still was unfamiliar with his personnel in Edmonton, and that's the same thing in in Saskatchewan. So, can lightning strike twice? You know, it's it's very rare. It seems to me in this game that when you make that amount of change, you're going to have success in year one. Uh, so I don't know, Blake. I, I'm. It's a big question mark. He has done it. He has he has taken a team that. You know, he is unfamiliar with, and is, and they have bought in right away. And that's the key. Can that team buy into what he's selling that quickly like like they did in Edmonton in 2014? So, to me, I got a big, fat question mark. They'll be better than three wins, but how much better? Uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. I never, I never thought of it that way. But here's what I think, is that Saskatchewan last year wasn't a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have a quarterback for the whole season. And then they... Um, um, their offense was leading the league, in, or at least at the top of the league, even like well into the second half of the season. And they were still losing games, and losing games by three or four points, or you know, a really uh, low margin. And I, I can't remember what the number is. I think it was five wins last year, less than less than five points or something, or yeah. six wins. Yeah. And uh, they uh, they don't lose those games this year. So that immediately bumps those guys up, I think, from three wins to nine wins. And if you got your healthy quarterback, and you got to remember, I mean, they were they were one of the top teams in the West when he was healthy 
the year before. So the key is, is, that, is your quarterback going to be 100%? And uh, you're not going to lose those games. So that puts them at at least nine wins, I think. So that when you ask what was that's going to cost the Eskimos, that means the Eskimos don't go and beat the crap out of Saskatchewan. They're going to, the Eskimos are not going to have possibly at least, I'm thinking with the loss of Jones, at least two more losses this mm-hmm. year than they had last year. So 14 wins takes them down to 12. Mm-hmm. Now, that's where I think the, I think that's going to be a reasonable number for them. But that could be as many as three or four teams in that 12 win. You know, you, you think about it, you get one or two injuries, key injuries. They lose Riley again this year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, it, or if they lose a key couple of key guys on that defensive line, because right now we're already talking about not having that 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 fifth guy off the bench or mm-hmm. you lose a linebacker you never know and that but every team's got to go through that so every team i think there's four teams Saskatchewan BC uh, Calgary and Edmonton that are going to be anywhere from 12 wins to 13 or sorry 10 wins to 13 wins mm-hmm. next year and that could mean one of those teams is in fourth place let me throw this at you though you talk about that offense that was so good but still lost that offense has lost three receivers out of it both the running backs uh, is that offense going to be as good as it was last year well, um, they're going to have a better quarterback if he stays healthy. But I mean, they've lost Getzlaff, they've lost Dressler, they've lost uh, Ryan Smith, they lost Allen, they lost Messam. Well, right? they've they've got uh, Shamad Chambers mm-hmm. now, and and you know who was Darrell Walker before the season? Uh, Chris Jones mm-hmm. has this ability to be able to find guys, yep. right? And so I'm thinking that uh, those those spots are going to be filled by other people. And but they they've improved their defense. I mean, they they lost John Chick, but they got Capriotti this year. You know, yeah. and that's a, a ratio buster. This guy's only 26 years old. Yeah, yeah. So. And and I think. The Riders are going to win a lot of ugly games, just like we saw in Edmonton. How many ugly games will they win? Well, their defense is going to be good, right? Yeah. So that's going to keep them in games. And that will give them time to get their offense figured out. And we saw the same scenario here in Edmonton. And they better hope Darian Durant doesn't get hurt, though. They better, they better be on their knees praying that every single day because their backup is Brett Smith. And we saw some good things, but I don't think at this stage Brett Smith is the reliable answer at this stage. He's no Matt Nichols for that offense like we saw last year for sure, yeah. No, and, you know, they lost – it's funny because they lost Keith Price. He signed BC Lions, I believe. I saw Keith Price – we all saw Keith Price in very short amount of work, but honestly I like what I saw out of him better than Brett Smith. But Chris Jones – I know Chris Jones really liked Brett Smith last year. Um, when he always he always talked about him like like that mobile quarterback that can move the pocket and stretch the defense out, but I'm still wondering about if they need to call on him, can he get the job done? Yeah, uh, the reason I brought it up, of course, was because our our dear friend uh, Rod Peterson who took an absolute beating this past week for his uh, his prediction of uh, the Eskimos finishing uh, in a dogfight for fourth with Winnipeg and yes. Saskatchewan finishing first in the West. Uh, Saskatchewan's going to be better. I don't think they're going to be that much better. Uh, Edmonton's not going to win 14 games, I don't think, but I don't think they're going to drop that much. Uh, I can't see Saskatchewan finishing in first place. I don't know about you guys. I don't. I don't either. I think. I think the team, uh, and I know there's probably going to be people here in my hometown that'll be upset, but I still think the team to beat is Calgary um, this year. I mean, they, they beat Calgary last year, and and but they only beat them. They didn't. They, it wasn't like they dominated them all yeah. year, right? And and Calgary was playing with uh, virtually every offensive lineman gone at some point in the season. Like they they mm-hmm. they were riddled with injuries. And I think Calgary loses less people than Edmonton loses. So, uh, and their coaching situation is pretty much the same. Uh, they they, mm-hmm. they you know sure Huff has moved on, but virtually everybody else is there. So I think they're in a, in a less of a, a position of flux than the Eskimos are or Saskatchewan or other teams. So so I think Calgary's still going to be the team to beat. But 
that that those other three teams, it could be a mm-hmm. dogfight. Uh, Calgary did lose a couple of pretty good, important guys offensively. Eric Rogers yeah, is gone, Rogers. Uh, league's leading receiver, and uh, they lost John Cornish. Although you know, last couple of years he hasn't played a lot. Jerome Messam is not a huge step down, exactly. But I mean, still, uh, they lost John Cornish. Well, Cornish you know. to me was like uh, like Shamad Chambers was for the Eskimos yeah. the last couple of years. There wasn't a lot of, uh, I mean, he didn't have as much of an impact in their offense, and their offense was still really good. And then you throw Messam into there now, and if Messam can have the kind of season that he had last year, they. <laughs> They don't lose anything with Messam in there. As a matter of fact, they might be they might be stronger on the ground. Uh, I think the position around the league, for various reasons and very te- various teams, and I talked to you uh, this week about this, Blake, when we talked on the phone. I think everybody almost has issues at quarterback, uh, and not ish, not problems, but just issues. I mean, uh, Edmonton's fine as long as Riley stays healthy, and you know, there's no. I'm, I'm saying let's stay away from injuries, but Darian Durant. Uh, he's coming back off of two years. How much has he lost on his game you know, of two years of inactivity, basically, in Saskatchewan? Uh, Winnipeg, uh, Drew Willey, he's... One not, injury away. You know, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he hasn't taken... He was good, he was better, but he hasn't taken that next step, I don't no, think. No. Uh, BC's got an interesting experiment going on with, with uh, Jenny Jonathan and Jennings and, and Travis Lilly. They're the new. They might be the new J.J. Barnagle of the CFL. Uh, <laughs> the, just the old folks will get that reference, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I don't same, even know that <laughs> same thing. Uh, same thing going on in, in Ottawa with, yeah. uh, with two quarterbacks who can play. Uh, Toronto, uh, Ricky Ray's coming back. Do they keep him healthy? Uh, Zach Kolaris is coming back from Hamilton. I, I don't think there's any issue to worry about those two guys, but still, they've had, a, you know, especially Ray's had the checkered pass. He Hamilton a, might have the best QB depth in the Yeah, league. yeah, and 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 you know, Ray hasn't played a full season since he left Edmonton. Yeah. So uh, there's there's issues out there at quarterback. I think for almost every team in the league. You know, now we're, we're we put a little bit of emphasis on. Uh, um, Chris Jones leaving and what that's going to do, the Eskimos impact their win-loss record. But the interesting thing is, with the exception of Montreal and Winnipeg, where we it is truly sort of up in the air, although Winnipeg did sign some really good people this year, I, I, I you know, think they've got some linemen that they've signed. They've got the, the Justin Medlock, who's probably going to add a couple of wins yeah. to them. You know, Andrew Harris. Andrew yep. Harris and, and Keith Sholigan, another Canadian defensive lineman. You know, so, so there are some guys uh, uh, that is going to help improve that team. But but with two teams, uh, there's six teams that I, I can't remember the time uh, that this league was so balanced. Uh, there just seems to be anybody can beat anybody. And that's going to, imp- as I said, that's really going to impact your win losses this year. There's going to be, I don't think we're going to see a team win 14 games this year. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's going to be this big log jam. So that, uh, and last year there was no crossover. I don't see it being a crossover this year. I think there's three really strong teams in the East and, and four four strong teams in the West. And I and that's it's going to be interesting. Every game is going to mean something. The only prediction I can f- make without any hesitation is all is Montreal will not make the playoffs. They're yeah, the only team that. That, that is not in that group with everybody yeah. else. I think they got a lot of issues and a lot of problems in Montreal. Yeah. Starting at quarterback, going through coaching and everything. So yeah. I think they got some issues. But anyway, that's uh, that's a topic for maybe closer to the season. Guys, uh, out of time, thanks very much uh, for coming in. Appreciate it. Uh, Blake, uh, look forward, I'm sure, to training camp and uh, yeah. talking about this again some more. Dave, thanks for coming down. Appreciate it. Thanks, Marley. And that is the show for this week. Uh, next week, we will be back and we will uh, have Eskimo royalty in. That's uh, Ryan King and Neil King will join us uh, next week on the Eskimo Show. We'll talk more football in seven days' time.